there, and welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a newlywed couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. Uh, this week, I'm introducing Scott to a movie that I haven't seen in a while, but I, I very much enjoy. Uh, a movie by pretty much my favorite director slash writer in the biz, Mr. Kevin Smith. Yeah. First Kevin Smith movie you ever saw. Dogma. Same. And it's like literally one of my favorite movies ever. The movie we're going to be discussing today is Mallrats, which came out in 1995. This is the second movie that Kevin Smith came out with. It's the second movie in the View Askewniverse. Yes. Which, if you don't know what that is, it's basically all the like movies that Kevin Smith has done, they all are like taking place in the same universe. Yes. Fuck the MCU. This is the cinematic universe that you really should care about. Yes, exactly. So the first movie uh, was Clerks. That was like his big flash into the Hollywood scene. He basically made this movie for like peanuts and it was a big success. Everybody loved it. And then Universal came to him and was like, hey, want to make a movie for us? And Kevin Smith was like, okay, sure. Like, (laughs) I'll do that. Unfortunately, (laughs) this movie didn't really do well at all. Um, The studio really had high hopes for it. They were even planning for a sequel before Mallrats even came out. But uh, it was canceled after Mallrats. Poor, poor, poor performance. (laughs) That's disappointing. Yeah. The budget was $6 million. They gave him $6 million to make this movie. Wow. And the worldwide gross was $2 million. (laughs) So it was (sighs) a bomb. Critics' score on Rotten Tomatoes is 56%, but the audience score is 82%. This this movie has a cult following. I very much enjoy it. I guess I get it, because Clarks was such a big hit for him, but it was produced on such a low fucking budget. Right. You could probably have produced this movie for 500 k and made your money back. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the production costs of working in a mall is probably yeah, it's a probably more... Up you know, pricey. Actually, fun fact about that, this movie, um, I, I don't know if you can tell by the title, but it's about a mall. Yes. <laughs> and uh, it was filmed in a mall in Minnesota. Oh, the Mall of America? No. Uh, it was actually filmed in a mall in Minnesota, but just down the road, they were filming Fargo at the time. Ah! Which was a Coen Brothers movie that did much better than this. <laughs> Smith apparently wanted to shoot in a mall in New Jersey because that's where he's from. Um, But the production costs were cheaper in Minnesota. So he was like, okay, let's do that. Despite the fact that it's not really the most critically acclaimed film in in the bunch, it does have ties to the universe. There are characters in there that uh, come back. Yes. Actors that are... Uh, staples of the View universe. There are a lot of people, apparently, in this universe that look alike. Yes. Isn't that, <laughs> isn't that strange? Some actors play different characters in different movies, but they're different people. It's fine. It's fine. So, and the movie apparently takes place, even though there's no reference directly to Clerks, it supposedly takes place the day before the events of Clerks. I'm not even supposed to be here today! Oh, fuck you! It's basically just a movie about a bunch of... I don't want to say kids, because they're college-aged. 
But is a it, bunch of kids hanging out at a mall. It's not a bunch of mall rats. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's all in the title, kids. And, like, if you're worried about uh, poor Kevin Smith's ego, don't you worry, because right after this, he makes Chasing Amy, and that was a big hit. So, he, he did just fine. Some people think he's a little too weird, his his movies, and they are pretty weird, but I, I love it. Darren, you know what? It's funny, because at this time, with all these movies between Chasing Amy, Mall Rats, Clerks, Clerks 2, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, all of the, these ones, they speak to, like, our generation of people. Yeah. The reason that I love Kevin Smith so much is because, A, I think he's hilarious, but Agreed. B, more importantly, he's very original and he's absolutely 100% true to himself and to his art. I agree. You know, a lot of uh, critics or whatever, they've shit on his work and they have said it's lowbrow, but he has such a... a a vehement following that connects with him because he just doesn't give a fuck and he just does what he wants. He's a fucking nerd and he revels in it. Well, the lowbrow thing, that always bothers me because you know what? The world's lowbrow. True, but to be fair, some of his more recent movies... Oh, they're balls to the walls. Crazy. Uh, yeah. If, you, if, you, if all you've seen of Kevin Smith are like his newer movies, I can understand why you'd be like, what the fuck? But... That's why you need to go back and look at his earlier stuff. Like I said, Dogma is one of my favorite movies ever. What are you? I'm pissed off is what I am. Do you go around drenching everybody that comes into your room with flame retardant chemicals? No wonder you're single. This movie I think is really fun because it's just a hangout movie. It's like two guys walking around a mall talking and yeah. hitting on girls and shit like that. And it's, it's fun. I just had a good oh, yeah, fucking time with it. Oh, this. I enjoyed the hell of it. It's a fun movie. It's. I love his writing. I just, I oh, really his, do. His writing's great. Yeah, th- th- there are times where you're like, okay, that's kind of stupid. But you know what? Even the stupid points where you laugh because, you know what? Life has a bunch of stupid fucking moments. <laughs> so, let's let's get into the nitty gritty here. Because okay. I just want to talk about this. Because I, again, fucking love Kevin Smith. And I love his writing. I It's not his best movie. There are better yeah. View Askew movies, yeah. for sure. I agree. But this, I feel like, is like kind of like a hidden gem of the View Askew yeah, universe. I agree. So we open yes. with our main man, one of our main men, Brody, doing a little voiceover. And he's talking about his cousin Walter and him getting a cat stuck up his ass. <laughs> And I says to him, Jesus, Walt, what are you doing? You know you're just going to get this cat stuck in your ass, too. Why don't you knock it off? And he said to me, Brody, how the hell else am I supposed to get the gerbil out? This is our movie, guys. <laughs> and then we go right into the opening credits, which is a bunch of, like, comic book pages. What I do want to mention about this, which I thought was kind of funny, uh, Ben Affleck is in this movie. He has a supporting role. Yeah. His, like, credit is a comic book page with him in, like, a suit, and over the top of his head, it says, Buttman. And I was like, ha ha ha, Ben Affleck's Buttman. <laughs> he was Batman, and now he's Buttman. Uh, but this was uh, really early in his career. This was, yes. like, two years before Goodwill Hunting. You know what the best part of my day is? For about ten seconds, from when I pull up to the curb, when I get to your door. Because I think maybe I'll get up there, and I'll knock on the door, and you won't be there. No goodbye, no see you later, no nothing. Just left. Okay, so after the opening credits, 
We have our second main man, P.S., played by Jeremy London. This is his most notable credit, but he has a twin brother named Jason London, who is in a bunch of movies, mostly in like the early 2000s. Or does he? Well, he was in Dazed and Confused. No, he's really, yeah, really <laughs> oh, okay. He was in Dazed and Confused. <laughs> I am dazed and confused by your retort. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, and he's our this he's our straight man kind of of the movie. Yes, TS is the straight man to Brody's zaniness. Yeah. And he does a good job being a straight man. Yeah. But sometimes it's hard to be a straight man cuz sometimes you just come off as a little bland. He is going to his girlfriend Brandy's house, played by Claire Ferlani. They're getting ready to go on a vacation together to Florida. Magical Sunny Florida. Orlando. Orlando. I love you. Orlando. SeaWorld and Disney. And Pod Pod Golfing. God's waste bin. And <laughs> she says, T.S., I can't go with you to Florida right now. I have to stay here because I have to do this thing for my dad. And he's like, what are you talking about? So Brandy's dad is a TV kind of, like, executive type person, or, like, he's trying to shop this, like, he's, game show. He's trying to show. make big on television. Yeah, he, he has this game show that he wants to do. It's basically, what's that show It's called? the dating game. It's the dating game. But he's trying to shop around this game show, and he had this, he had this eligible bachelorette to do this show. Oh, yeah. But, unfortunately, she, she has dropped out for reasons. Basically, Brandy says to T.S., hey, did you talk to Julie yesterday? And T.S. is like, yeah. And she's like, did you tell her that the TV camera adds 10 pounds? Did you tell her that? Yeah. I just, you know, what, what's the big deal? Yeah. She's like, do you realize that that girl has, like, body issues? And she, like, freaked out. So she went to the Y and started swimming a million laps to try and lose weight for the show. And on her 700th lap, she had an embolism and fucking died. Okay. <laughs> that's how, that's, that's that's how, how we're we starting. Start. And they kind of just, like, jump right over this. They're <laughs> like, um... <laughs> yeah, this girl died, but we're going to talk about our issues. Yeah, so T.S. is like, what, she's fucking dead? I, I didn't know. Like, what the fuck? I don't know. And she's like, yeah, my dad's, like, freaking out. She, he's so devastated by it. And then they cut to her dad, who is played by... Michael fucking Rooker. He is. I'm very popping, y'all! Holy cannoli, looking very different than fucking Merle from The Walking Dead. <laughs> or fucking Yandu from Guardians of the Galaxy. True. He's, like, dancing around in, like, his towel. Oh, uh, not just like... in his towel. Oh, well, yeah. He removes the towel. We get, we get Rooker butt. We see a nice little shiny Rooker ass. So Brandy's like, listen, I, you know, I'm trying to fix the situation here because you fucked it up <laughs> basically implying oh. that like she thinks that like it's his fault that the girl's dead first of all you should you're swimming 700 lap that's not his fault <laughs> no that's not his fault that's a common thing people always joke about when somebody's gonna be on tv oh yeah the camera adds 10 pounds yeah like that's something that you should have probably figured out beforehand but anyway regardless this doesn't <laughs> matter at all for the main story so <laughs> brandy is like listen i got to help my dad out. I'm going to be the bachelorette on the TV show, just, you know, to help so him out. So I can't out. go with you to Florida. Can't go with you to Florida. He's like, what the fuck? We planned this trip. Mah, you you always do whatever your dad says. Mah, 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 mah. You're a daddy's girl. Mah. 
And she's like, can't you think about anybody other than yourself? What the fuck? Fuck this. I'm breaking up with you. And then we cut to Brody again, played by Jason Lee. Yes. Of Alvin and the Chipmunks fame. Alvin! I'll I'll always know him. What's his name in that? Alvin and the Chipmunks? Dave. Dave. I'll always know him as Dave. I forgot his name. <laughs> Except you forgot his name. <laughs> I'll always know him as that guy. That guy. <laughs> with that guy with the CGI chipmunks. <laughs> uh, he had no prior acting experience before this movie. He plays like the smart aleck comic relief to T.S.'s straight man. Yeah. And he is in his bedroom with his girlfriend, Renee, who's played by Shannon Doherty. Now, Scott was very surprised when he saw Shannon Doherty in the opening credits. Yeah, because I had no idea Shannon Doherty was, would even contemplate. Yeah, so here's the tea on that. So this was right after she left 90210. She was definitely the biggest name in this movie. For those of you who don't know, she basically was fired from 90210 for being a cunt. Because no one fucking liked to work with her. And surprise of all surprises, same Thing with Charmed, I think. She got fired because Alyssa <laughs> Milano hated her ass. She seems to be a lot older and softer now, yeah. more chill. But in the old days, when she was young and spry, she was a bit of a cunt, probably. I'm just going to make an educated guess on that. So yeah, she's playing Renee, who's Brody's girlfriend. He's basically just being a dick, like playing video games and ignoring her. He's a big comic book nerd, and he doesn't have a job. He's just like a lazy sack of shit. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got... No motivation, and yeah, they've kind of fallen into this rhythm of not good behavior towards each other. Yeah, like she is pissed off because he doesn't apply himself, and he doesn't even introduce her to his mother. Like she has to sneak into his house all the time. So they're arguing, and Brody goes, "Maybe I would introduce you to my mom if you weren't in the bathroom all the time. What are you doing in there all the time?" And she goes, honestly, I cry. <laughs> oh my god. See, I told you. Women are prone to having existential crises in the bathroom. <laughs> okay. But in the same breath, I cry because all these people do such great things. Pilots and doctors and they do all these great things. I think about all that and I cry because I have nothing better to do than fuck you. And then she throws a piece of paper at him. Like as she's leaving, she throws a piece of paper at him. He picks it up and he's like, you're dumping me? On, on the side note, there's a Tremors poster in the background. Yay, we love Tremors. At least the original. Oh. Yes. Scott's seen all of them. I don't know why. I'm a completionist, Frankie. But I, knew, so I start I. something and I no, finish no, 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 it. No, 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 That's not what it is. Because I'm a completionist. Okay. I'm a completionist when it comes to movies. But even I did not want to watch the Tremor sequels, because I knew that they were shit. I didn't want to waste my life away. <laughs> but you apparently have all this life to just throw down the toilet. Oh, thanks. Damn. Hours and hours that you could have spent doing something useful. <laughs> so T.S. and Rhodey are BFFs, and they both just got dumped. So T.S. goes to Brody's house, and they're hanging out. And they're commiserating, basically. And T.S. tells Brody that he was planning on proposing to Brandy during their trip to Florida. And Brody's like, how are you planning on doing that? What were you going to do? And he's like, I was going to propose to her on the Jaws ride. And he said, that's some romantic shit. Brody was like, that's the most romantic thing I've ever heard. I don't think the Jaws ride is even there anymore. 
Is it? I don't think so. I don't think it is. It's a shame. I remember it from back in the, the in the days of Universal. If you've never been to Universal or never been on the Jaws ride, it's basically just like a fucking ten cent version of the movie. You sit in a boat and you go around, and it rocks track. a little. Yeah, and there's a little like fake plastic shark that comes out. Very scary. <laughs> I'm sure they never just incorporated that into Jungle Cruise. What a shark! Yeah, Sharks like a don't ju- live in the jungle. Yeah, but it's Jungle Cruise. Who cares? <laughs> it's the Jungle Cruise. Jungle is in the name. And Universal is in Disney. We can't cross the stream, Scott. Disney owns everything, Frankie. Oh, my God. They own it all. So Brody has this marvelous idea of how they're going to ease their double loss. They're like, we're going to go to the fucking mall. <laughs> and uh, as they're walking into the mall, Brody is like, I love the smell of commerce in the morning. And he bumps right into Affleck, <laughs> who plays uh, Shannon, who is a manager of one of like the hoity-toity clothing stores in the mall. And he's like a dick. And then we meet uh, Willem. Not William, but Willem. Willem. Yes. Uh, he is played by Ethan so. Suppley. He has this running gag throughout the whole movie where he's looking at this like magic eye poster that's in, like set up in the mall. It's one of those things where if you stare at it long enough, you can see a picture. So he's like looking at it, looking at it, and he can't see it. And T.S. and Brody come right up next to him. And he's like, oh, a sailboat. <laughs> and he's like, damn it, I can't see it. What the hell? And then like throughout the whole movie, like different people like walk by and his kids. Yeah. He was very heavy for most of his life. He's heavy in this movie. He got really heavy as time went on. He's actually lost all that weight, and he's very muscle-bound now. He looks really good. Good for you, man. I think he lost, like, 180 pounds or oh, something wow. like that. Good for you, man. So, during this conversation with Willem, T.S. and Brody find out that Brandy's dad's game show is being set up at the mall. Because so often when I go to the mall, I see, you know, fucking match game going on in the fucking foyer. And they're like, I don't know. Can you imagine... <laughs> Broadway Mall. Yeah. Doing a game show in Broadway fucking mall. That'd be fun. (laughs) So, Brody and TS, they're discussing this, and they're like, hey, we should enlist Jay and Silent Bob to sabotage this game show. Oh, yeah. Who are Jay and Silent Bob, you may ask? My God, if you don't know who Jay and Silent Bob are, where the fuck do you live? Smoking weed, smoking whiz, doing coke, drinking beers, drinking beers, 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 rolling baddies, smoking bugs. So Jay and Silent Bob are like the most common characters in this viewers universe. Yes. They are played by Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith, respectively. Indeed. And they're just like the bromance of this whole universe. They're awesome. They're in every movie. Yes. Oh, they're like R two D two. Yes. And C three PO. Which is even a skill. Which is even funnier because as we first meet these two, mm-hmm. they're talking about how Silent Bob watched both Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi the night before, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a bunch of Star Wars references in this. Yeah, but like when they first meet them in the mall, Silent Bob, played by Kevin Smith, he has a cigarette in his hand and he's like do, trying to do a Jedi mind trick on the cigarette, and it's like, <laughs> which is wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. It's wrong. He's trying to use the force on the cigarette. The Jedi mind trick is when he, like, tricks people's mind. Right, but that's what they call it, right? No, it's the force. 
Oh, I know, but I thought that's what they call it in the movie, a Jedi mind trick. No, the only Jedi mind trick is when he waves his hand. I understand in Star Wars that's what it is, but in this movie, I thought they call it. That's that's what they call it in the right. movie, but okay. it's wrong. I'm saying he is wrong. I understand, but for the purposes of the film, let's just you know. Fine. <laughs> let's not make things too complicated. I will nerd gas him all we can, over here. We can <laughs> we can bitch and moan about Star Wars next week. So fun fact about Jay, Jason Mewes, he's not really an actor like by trade like kevin smith put him in clerks because he thought he was hilarious and he wanted to be in it and he is hilarious this was the second movie he's ever done but the problem was the studio didn't really have faith in him so they were like "Mm, let's get seth green in here and have him be jay (laughs) so kevin smith was like no i'm i'm pulling for jay jay's good they apparently had seth green like on standby from the beginning of like shooting and then when the Studio people saw Jay on set. They're like, all right, we'll keep him. He's good. <laughs> but yeah, he was almost replaced by Seth Green, which I think is kind of weird. Our cash could have been. Yeah, oh, we'll get there. Don't worry. So T.S. and Brody ask Jay and Silent Bob to fuck with the show. Just, yes. you know, keep the show from happening because fuck Brandy and fuck her dad. So they go off and they're like, okay, no problem. do 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 and then we have a, a funny kind of conversation. A lot of the scenes in this movie start off with, like, just weird conversations being had between friends, which I feel like is really good because I feel like that's what people do. It's like, real. It's Yeah, it's just, like, what friends do when they're, like, hanging around, walking around the mall or doing, like, whatever. They're just, like, talking about random shit. So, T.S. and Brody, they're talking about Superman and Lois Lane. Now, I'm going to let Scott take this one because Scott loves Superman and... This is apparently a conversation that he's had with his friends, so he understands. This one in particular was hysterical because it's Superman and Lois can't have kids because Lois can't survive Superman or hell, Superman's kid. Yeah, her her body like can't handle it. And then they say the only way Superman could have sex with like a real person other like, than Wonder Woman. Right, is using a kryptonite condom. He's an alien, for Christ's sake. His kryptonian biological makeup is enhanced by Earth's yellow sun. If Lois gets a tan, the kid could kick right through her stomach. Only someone like Wonder Woman has a strong enough uterus to carry his kid. The only way he could bang regular chicks is with a kryptonite condom. That would kill him. I feel like that's one of like the ideas that Kevin Smith is like famous for, the kryptonite condom. <laughs> he mentioned one time, because he does a lot of Q&As, you can probably find them online, but uh, he talks a lot about, like, just the process of making his movies and, like, different experiences he's had in the business. And, like, he had a whole experience where he almost wrote a Superman movie. I don't remember, like, all the details of it, but if I, I'll, I'll find a clip of him talking it, about it online and I'll put it, it here. Was it Nicholas Cage one? Yes. I'll find a clip and put it here. Okay. I was commissioned by Warner Brothers to write a script for a new Superman movie. And how it came about, I think was that somebody saw Mallrats, watched Brody and, and T.S. talk about the kryptonite condom, and they were like, this guy seems to know a lot about Superman. Yo, this guy knows a lot about Superman. <laughs> we should make him write the movie. So then we move on. Jay and Silent Bob, they have a couple fails of trying to sabotage this show. First things first, Jay and Silent Bob put a bunch of quarters in a sock, and they're like, we're going to take this sock full of quarters and knock out the fucking head security guard. Knock out the security guard, pull the pin, the stage will fall apart, and we'll go off and have a blunt. While they're attempting to do that, there's this kid 
on the side somewhere and he's like bugging them and Kevin Smith's like, Shh, get away. <laughs> but he doesn't say that because he doesn't talk. And then as he's running with the sock full of quarters, the kid has like a little toy train and he pushes it out, trips up Silent Bob. He crashes into a woman's changing room and the woman <laughs> smacks him on the head. So, And then the other attempt, this one's a little more weird, surprisingly. Okay, so... Kevin Smith dresses up like Batman. Wait, hold on. Stay with me. Kevin Smith dresses up like Batman. And he, like, climbs up to the top railing of like, oh, yeah. the mall. And he, like, hooks himself up, like, on a, on a string or whatever. And he's like, okay, I'm gonna do a Batman swoop in over to the stage. Grab pull- this magic pin again. That yeah, costs- grab the pin that will pull the whole stage apart. And then I will be Batman and everything will be wonderful. I am the knight. So his attempt to do that led to him overshooting the pin, going straight through to the other side of the mall into another changing room head first. And she like smacks him in the head. And then we cut back to Brody and TS who are on the escalator. And Brody has a, a bit of a moment where he's bitching and moaning about uh, a young child playing on the escalator. Hope his pants get caught in a bloodbath ensues. What is with you today? Don't get me wrong, I don't wish the kid harm, but his mother should suffer that horrific ordeal so she'll learn how to manage her child. Kids die on the escalators. Where's his mother? And then they meet up with one of their other friends, Trisha, who's this 15-year-old like genius girl, apparently, who is writing a book. She basically talks to T.S. and Brody about how she's writing this book about male sexuality. And Brody's like, it just is an excuse for her to have sex with a bunch of different guys. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, I tape all my sexual encounters. And T.S. is like, you tape all of your sexual encounters for research. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. She's 15. Yeah, she's writing about the sexual libido from males from 16 to 30. Okay, <laughs> that's totally a thing that would happen. And apparently she slept with Ben Affleck. Who, by the way, is much older than 15. <sighs> wink, wink. Okay, we're gonna get there. So then they leave Trisha, and Brody and T.S. walk towards the comic book store, and there's a huge line out the door, and Brody's like, what the fuck, I want my comics! And he starts fighting with, like, two of the guys there, and he gets in, like, a fist fight. And then they're like, no, there's a line because fucking Stan Lee is here signing comic books, you dope. And he's like, how did I not know this? And he's, like, fighting with these guys. And then all of a sudden, right as security is coming, you hear a scream from off screen. It's a little kid. And it's a kid on the escalator. (laughs) 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 Brody was right all along. Oh, boy. It just the stupid callback was great. Like <laughs> Yeah, they, it happens a few times in this movie. There's some good callbacks. So then Brody sees Renee with Ben Affleck. Apparently, Ben Affleck has spooked right in oh, to, yeah. you know, mess around with Shannon Doherty. Oh, yeah, he smacks her in the ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Brody and T.S. follow them. Affleck and Doherty are standing at an elevator. T.S. distracts Affleck. And right as the elevator opens, Brody swoops in, grabs... Shannon Doherty and pulls her into the elevator and the doors close and they're gone. I like this scene a lot. It's, they're arguing like back and forth and it's very like very passionate, very angry. 
This guy already introduced me to his mother. He was up and at work by 9 o'clock this morning. Unlike my ex-boyfriend who would sleep until 1 because all he did was play Sega and watch videos all night long. Which, by the way, has enormous effect on your libido. Oh, now you attack my libido? There's no libido to attack. No libido to attack? So then they're, they're arguing back and forth. They're giving it as good as they get it. And then all of a sudden, Brody just swoops in and kisses her. And they fuck in the elevator. <laughs> to a rock version of Build Me Up Buttercup by the Goops. Because why not? Why not? <laughs> so they fuck, they have a little quickie in the elevator, and Brody's like dancing afterwards. He's like, oh yeah, that was hot. Oh yeah, I'm good. And then <laughs> Renee's like, no... It's too little, too late. And he's like, little? <laughs> you said it was fine. And she's like, no, that's what girls say when it's little. <laughs> so they leave the elevator. Affleck's none the wiser that they fucked in there. Uh, they go their separate ways. But there's like a moment where Renee looks back and like, you can tell that she still actually cares about Brody, despite the fact that he's a dumb fuck. So T.S. decides he's going to go to the stage to find Brandy, because he wants to talk to her. Yes. And we get a pretty uh, interesting scene with Michael Rooker <laughs> <Yeah>. being scary as fuck. <laughs> he basically is, like, setting up the stage, and, you know, he's very rigid and aggressive. And he tells T.S., stay the fuck away from my daughter. Yes, she does. And he gets him, like, kicked off the stage. Like, fuck you. Then we run into Gwen, who is Joey Lauren Adams. Brody and T.S. run into her. Uh, T.S. accidentally... Uh, elbows her in the boob and she kicks him in the nuts. We, we love a good groin joke. So just to give you a little background on Joey Lauren Adams, after she had done this movie with Kevin Smith, they actually started dating and he wrote Chasing Amy, which was his next movie for her. She had the starring yes. role in that film. She was also recently in the reboot that they just did. Pretty much everybody is yeah. in the reboot. Um, which, which is awesome. Yes, I love James Bond reboot. It was so good. But anywho... Just to give you an idea of where she was at in her career, a year after this, she starred in Biodome with Pauly Shore and Stephen Baldwin. We're stuck here. That's right. 12 months? Yes. 52 weeks? Yes. 385 days? Wow. It's so horrible. Yeah, it's not good. So yeah, that's, that's where she's at right now in her life. Poor thing. Gwen and T.S. actually used to date, but she was kind of a slut. But she tells T.S. that Brandy's just doing the game show as a favor to her dad. She's not actually looking to, like, find a new guy. She really loves T.S. and he should fight for her, yada, yeah, yada, yeah. yada. And later, she says the same thing to Brandy as well. Like, listen, T.S. is a good guy. You should give him a chance, yada, yada, yada. And so she's, she's nice. We like Gwen. Even, and she's like, well, what if you take him? And Gwen's like, I will, but if he wasn't so hooked on you. Exactly. So she, she recognizes the love. And she wants people that she cares about to be happy together. That's a nice thing. Nice person. While she's talking to T.S., Affleck finds Brody and basically, like, beats the shit out of him. And it's like, I heard you were Renee's ex-boyfriend. I don't like you because you're a mall rat. And you suck. And I'm going to fuck your girlfriend. <laughs> he basically is like, listen, like, I tend to go to for girls that are just getting out of bad relationships because they're more vulnerable. So he's a creep. After he gets beat up, Jay and Silent Bob find him, like, you know, all bloody nose and fucked up and 
Brody's like, yeah, the Easter Bunny beat me up. Fucking kidding, the Easter Bunny did this? All I said was the Easter Bunny at the Menlo Park Mall was more convincing. He just jumped the railing and knocked me down. He's fucking dead. I'll let it go. He's under a lot of pressure. Why he wouldn't tell them that Affleck beat him up, I don't know, but... Well, I guess he didn't. He's just like, fuck the Easter Bunny. The Easter Bunny beat me up. <laughs> so Jay and Santa Bob run off, and of course, so now the Easter Bunny is there meeting with a kid, and <laughs> Santa Bob grabs the Easter Bunny, as Jay starts punching him. Oh, yeah. Like, this is for Brody. Oh, yeah, girl. <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, though, haven't you always just wanted to beat the shit out of those people <laughs> in those creepy ass No, because they're usually all old people. Oh, not Santa. Just the Easter Bunny. No. There's beady little eyes. <laughs> you know, we'll have to deal with those lines of people. Have, bring our kids to see the Easter Bunny. Oh, yeah. I don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't want to do No, I'll do Santa. You won't do the Easter Bunny? No. He's creepy. I don't want a creepy furry man touching my child. It's the Easter Bunny. He's got beetle eyes. <laughs> so now we have Brooker's assistant. He goes up to TS and he's like, hey, uh, Michael Rooker wants to talk to you. So T.S. is like, okay, I'll be there in a minute. And Brody's like, I don't trust this thing. We should give him a stink palm. And he's, T.S. is like, what the fuck is that? Stink palm is another like great like little coined phrase coming out of the Buick universe. That I totally know people who have done it to other people. So basically, what a stink palm is, is you, <laughs> you stick your hand down your pants into your underwear. Usually it's better butt. after you've had a day where you're sweating and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, real nastiness down there. And you pull it out, and the stink of your palm, <laughs> stink palm, it's all on there. And uh, you shake the person's hand, and you get all that stink on the other and person's hand. it stays there for days. Yeah. Scrub all you like, it'll stick around for at least two days. How does he explain it to his colleagues and family? They'll think he doesn't know how to wipe his ass properly. Meanwhile, you yourself are left with a hand that smells like shit. Small price to pay for the smiting, one's enemies. Uh, and Tia's is like, that's stupid, I'm not doing that. But, like, literally, Brody just did it to demonstrate, so he's like, yeah, I'm not doing that. So when T.S. goes to the stage, Brody follows him, and mind you, he has a bag of half-melted chocolate pretzels what? in his hand. They will become relevant in a moment. So he goes, <laughs> T.S. goes to Michael Rooker. As he's talking to T.S., you see, like, the security guards on the side, and he's, like, you know, looking around. So, basically, he set T.S. up to get ambushed so that he can kick him out of the mall so he doesn't have to worry about him trying to ruin the show and, like, fuck with his daughter. So, he basically has this whole conversation with T.S., like, I know you fucked my daughter. I know you've gotten in her panties, which is a weird way to talk about your daughter, but okay. I know you slid it into her panties more than once. Ew. And then he's like, she's too good for you. And then going nowhere, kid. And then all of a sudden, Brody comes in and he gives him a high five with his stink palm hand. And he keeps shaking his hand, like, multiple times. And then he's like, oh... Uh, Michael Rooker, would you like some half-melted chocolate pretzels? They're really delicious. And he <laughs> goes in there and he pulls them out and he, like, keeps just rubbing, like, and then and then you see Michael Rooker licking the shit hand because of the melted oh, chocolates God. on it. It's really repulsive. Oh, it did so bad. It almost, but it's hilarious it, as well. It's hilarious, but it almost makes you want to puke. Security rushes in and they grab 
TS and Brody, and they were, like, kicking him, kicking they, them they out. They cuff him. They yeah, cuff him. they, like, basically the plan is to, like, plant stolen product on them so they can get kicked out of the mall. But then as this is happening, Renee is in, like, a store across the way, and she sees this happening, and she runs to Jay and Silent Bob. I don't know why everyone runs to Jay and Silent Bob with their problems. Because you know what? They get the job done, except for destroying the stage. Yeah, they don't get that job done. But she runs to them and is like, hey, Brody and T.S. need help. They're getting arrested. Go help them. So they run off. And then she runs into Willem. And this is a, there's a fun little fact associated with this. So what happens is Renee is standing there with Willem as he's staring at the Magic Eye poster. And she goes, Wow, a sailboat. Brenda? Dick. Now, the reason why this is funny, Scott didn't know what the fuck this was, but I did, because I, like an idiot, watched 90210. Shannon Doherty's character on Beverly Hills 90210, her name was Brenda. And apparently this scene, Kevin Smith had told Willem to say that line. It wasn't, obviously, it wasn't in the script. It was just kind of an improv thing. But Willem didn't know that Kevin Smith had also talked to Shannon Doherty about it, and she said it was okay. So it's like, yeah, you can do it, fine. And I'll just react, like, you know, I'll do whatever. But he didn't know that she knew about it. So he thought that her reaction, her punching him was genuine. <laughs> like, you fucking dick, what the fuck? <laughs> I just thought that was, like, a cute thing. And it's sick, because he seems like such a sweet guy. He probably apologized, like, a hundred oh, times. Oh, yeah, he seems really nice. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Kevin made me do it. <laughs> so as the security guys are outside, like, right outside the mall with Brody and T.S., Jay and Silent Bob come to the rescue and knock out the head security guard, giving them a chance to run back into the mall while Jay and Silent Bob give chase to the security guard. Yes. Oh, son of Jarrell! Kneel before Sod! Snoochie boochies! <laughs> yeah, and then they have a they have another Batman moment with uh Yes. With Kevin Smith. <laughs> Kevin Smith pulls out like a utility belt after pulling other things out of his like giant trench coat. And fucking pulls out a grappling hook and grappling hooks the two of them up to escape. Yeah, and they're like narrowly hanging over the fucking side of the building while the security guards are running around. They have no idea where they are. Jay looks at them and goes, I don't know where you get all these gadgets, but I love you. <laughs> so Brody and T.S. decide to hide out in the comic store. T.S. is like, you know, maybe you were right about Brandy. Maybe she's not worth fighting for me. I should just, you know, give up and do my own thing. And Brody's like, why would you listen to me? I literally don't know anything. <laughs> I don't know shit. <laughs> I've told you this a million times. I don't know shit, bro. And then uh, Brody's like, you know what? You need actual good advice. Let's go to Yavana. And T.S. is like, who the fuck is Yavana? And they go to like this little like corner of the mall. Uh, and there's a sign that says Yavana, the topless psychic. <laughs> And they have this, like, really kind of funny, weird scene with the topless psychic. So basically, they go in, and at first, Brody is like, yeah, yeah, topless, yeah. girls, oh. hot, sexy, meh, you don't have to say anything, honey, you're hot. And bro, and T.S. is like, can we just go? This is stupid. Yeah. And then, <laughs> Yovana, uh, who is this delightful, uh, middle-aged woman yeah. in a little, you know, psychic outfit. She takes her top off to reveal 
three nipples. Not one, not two, but three nipples. And she's, like, playing with her tits, and uh, she suddenly starts expounding psychic drivel, and Brody is suddenly disgusted by this topless woman now because she has three nipples, but T.S. is enamored with her because she is correct in all of her psychic assumptions. So T.S. asks her, whatever shall we do to fix this this problem that that I have and that Brody has? Because we both have these girls that we love and we want them back. And Brody's like, I don't want her back. But you do, Brody. You really do. So Yavana tells them to combine their efforts and that things will only be resolved after a confrontation. So T.S. is like energized by this, this meeting with this topless psychic who, by the way, after they leave, we find out that, that that's not a real third nipple. No. That's just a piece of pepperoni. Oh, yeah. Um, so you know what, now, now the T.S. and Brody are energized to fight for the women they love. We, we're, we're about to get into the climax of climaxes. So now, I think, it's the best time to do one of our favorite segments. You know what it is? What is it? <gasps> Cass Cudipin! Yay! Cynthia, she's a really cool dancer. <laughs> I think the people have had enough uh, of that one. Sorry. <laughs> Something tells me. Well, maybe we'll use another Rugrats song for this. <laughs> All right, cool. So now let's get into the cash could have been, shall we? So we have uh, basically just our, our, main, our main fellas yes. here. Brody and T.S. Brody, our funny man. Yes. We had some interesting possibilities okay. for him. We had a Mr. Mike Myers. Okay. My, this is 95, so, so not like... Not know, now, yeah. Not Shrek. <laughs> like Wayne's World. Yeah. Think, think Wayne's World. Uh, we had a Mr. Adam Sandler. Okay, that would have been fun. Chris Farley. Oh, that makes me sad a little. Yeah, that does make me sad. That makes me sad a little. That would have been a lot more energy. Yeah, I feel like that. Chris Almost Farley too much energy. Is so distinct in his like energy, it's like I feel like he would have to be toned down a lot. Steve Zahn. Mm, okay. And Mark Wahlberg. What? No. I can't see him as a nerd, but okay. Yeah, I feel like Mark Wahlberg is weird, but Mark Wahlberg was supposed to be paired with. A specific uh, actor for TS. You want to know who that was? Who? A Mr. Leonardo DiCaprio. Romeo himself. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sure he doesn't want to remember that he was Romeo. I'm sure he's done a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, Leo DiCaprio was in the mix for being TS, which I feel like 95 Leo, I mean... Yeah, he's still young. He's yeah, still, yeah. It would, it could have worked. Yeah, probably. But it's just weird to think about because now he's like Leo DiCaprio. Yeah. Big deal, you know. So we had a a couple other ideas for TS. Apparently, there was one person who was like the head honcho in the running that the studio really wanted, uh, and that was Ethan Hawke. Which I feel like Ethan Hawke is like one of those actors that like plays the everyman, you know what I mean? Like, he, like he's always playing, like, just the random guy. Well, like. oh, the other thing is, as the straight-laced guy, he's almost the perfect straight-laced guy. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, he, that's, yeah, that's, like, his 
go-to, I guess. Yeah. And we also had uh, Henry Thomas. Do you know who that is? No. He's the kid from E.T. Oh! Now, I feel like if he was in this, it would have done absolutely nothing for his career, unfortunately, oh, because this movie bombed. But if it did well, maybe it would have, like, jump-started his career again. That would have been cool. Would have been nice. But, you know, we'll never know if that would have happened or if it would have worked out. Darn. Well, we'll, we'll never know because these are the cast could have been. We're going to do the Rugrats theme. Yeah, we're going to do the we're Rugrats just, theme. I think for cast could have been, we're just going to run through every cartoon theme song we can try to find. The other week we did Doug. This week we're doing Rugrats. <laughs> it's whatever kind of comes to our head at the time, Fuck guys. It. <laughs> Fuck it. If you don't fucking like Nickelodeon, then maybe you should just skip over Cast Cudibins. Because. <laughs> well, no, no. The don't skip over Cast Cudibins is actually very funny. No. Well, I think Cast Cudibins are interesting. Well, no, it is. It's funny. But it also, also imagine an alternate universe where all these are real. Uh, Alright. So now we're getting to the climax of climaxes here. Oh, boy. So, T.S. decides he's going to try and get onto the game show. He's going to ambush the game yes. show. Uh, and he goes to Jay and Silent Bob for help. Meanwhile, Brody... Uh, well, he tells Brody that... Because he goes to Brody, he goes, Brody, I'm going to need you later. Go hang out in the mall. I'll find you later. Yeah. So, he is hanging out in the mall. And he runs into... <gasps> Stan Lee! Damn straight he does. Stan Lee, the man with the plan. He gets a cameo in this movie, and oh, it's damn awesome. Straight. So, he has a chat with her about, like, his girlfriend, and he's like, you know, I I had this girlfriend who I really loved. I, I never forgot about her. Even though after I got rich and famous, I had all these women, and Jagger and, and me had a contest on who had more girls. Ha 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 Unless I check, I'm still ahead. <laughs> oh, lots of women. Jagger and me, we had a running contest to see who had the most. Matter of fact, last time I looked, I was way ahead. So, he has like a little heart-to-heart -heart with uh, Brody. Oh, but, oh, of course, before this, Brody has a whole big thing about talking about superhero penises. Uh, is the thing's penis made of rock? Can Mr. Fantastic stretch his penis? Yeah, it's really good stuff, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you've ever wondered about superheroes, he asks it. And, um, Stanley basically tells him, like, listen, don't give up on on your girl. If you really love her, it's not worth it. And, uh... I would trade know. it all for one more day with the girl. Yeah, with the girl that I love. Look, do yourself a favor, Brody. Don't wait. Because all the money, all the women, even all the comic books in the world, they can't substitute for that one person. I don't know, all the comics in the world... Trust me, true believer. No. He goes off, and then you see right after that, like, uh, it was kind of a little bit of setup by T.S. Like, T.S. Uh, meets with Stan Lee right after that, and he's like, oh, how'd it go? And he's like, good. He just kept asking me about penises, but I think I got through to him at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, what, what, what story did you tell him? Well, I told him the vulture, uh, the vulture loves soliloquy? Or, I don't know. Something, something like that. Something like that. Uh, which made me laugh because I'm like, because I've thought about it, like, thinking about it logically, I'm like, this guy is, like, one of the biggest comic book nerds, supposedly, ever. He owns, like, all these comics. And Stan Lee comes up to you and apparently quotes a story from a comic. One of his comics, yeah. You figure you wouldn't be able to pull that? 
I, I don't know. But a uh, fun fact about the Stanley cameo. So Stanley and Kevin Smith were friends, uh, famously. They, you know, did a lot of interviews together, and he was in uh, his he was in Mallrats, and then in one of the Marvel movies. He was like, I think in Captain Marvel, he was all like in his cameo in Captain Marvel, he was like reading a script, and I think it was a script for Mallrats. Yes, it was. It was like a cute little nod to Kevin Smith and that too. Like they, you know, they, they were buddies. Um, but in this, this is like how I think how they like first really yeah. got to be friends. Originally, Stanley didn't want to play himself. He didn't really like the dialogue and that he was supposed to say. I think because he was talking about fucking a lot of girls, like, you know, he was married and he didn't want, you know, he didn't feel comfortable with that. But Kevin eventually convinced him to do it. He's like, listen, it's all make-believe. It's fine. Stanley was like, okay. <laughs> and then he did it. And it was great. It was really cool. He had, like, the little beard. He was so young and cute. Like, yeah. he was like, oh, Stanley. Honestly, uh, I, I only did the promo for Stan for a show I used to do. And... From any interaction anybody I've ever heard has had with him, for the most part, has been all positive. Yeah, he just seemed like such a delightful man. By the way, oh my god, did you ever watch the reality show that he did? Oh, uh, Making of a Superhero? Yeah, yeah. something like yes. Who Wants to Be a Superhero? Yes, I, like I, yes. I watched the first season, at least. Yeah, it's the cheesiest oh, thing totally. you've ever seen, but it's so fun. Yeah, I think a cop won the first one? Yeah. I think there were, like, three seasons. It was, like, a bunch of people, like, random Joe Schmoes, and they, like, like came up with, like, superhero. superhero, like, identities and costumes, and they had to, like, do different challenges, and the winner would get, like, a comic book and the third character. It was it, it was kind of cool, but it was cheesy as hell. But, yeah, Stanley's awesome. Yes. So, him being in this movie was, was sick, but after this little uh, powwow with Stan Lee, Brody goes to Trisha, the girl with the sex book. And she tells her, I need you to get the tape, the sex tape you have with Shannon, Ben Affleck. Yeah. And I need you to bring it back here to the mall. And she's like, oh, okay, sure, whatever. And then he asks Silent Bob, who's sitting right there, he's like, hey, can you fuck with uh, like the video and audio up by the stage? And he's like, shh, like thumbs yeah, up. Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so meanwhile, uh, over by the stage, Jay goes and uh, goes back there, and he basically like strong arms two of the contestants for the dating game show. Uh, he basically like force feeds them weed. And he's like snoochy boochies. Oh, he's like, yo, man, what if something goes wrong and like get a boner on stage and shit like that, man? Yeah. <laughs> so these two contestants like basically like pass out from munchies and like weed fuckery and they're they're out for the count um rooker is running around and he's not feeling too well no rooker's rooker's feeling a little sickly he's yeah. puking everywhere possibly because he had a nice little shit sandwich oh yeah <laughs> with his uh stink palm sandwich there so yeah so he's like out of it so it kind of leaves an opening for T.S. and Brody to go backstage and replace the two contestants while, mind you, a third contestant, played by Brian O'Halloran, who was Dante in Clerks, was. Um, he shows up. He, he plays Gil, who is supposedly, in the View of Skewniverse, uh, Dante's cousin. That's Which is funny because you look because at... Because they look alike, they, so they have to be related, I of guess. Of course. Uh, it's funny because... I know this is after Clerks. He looks so much older in Clerks. Yeah. Than he does here. 
And I think it's just because of the goatee clerks. Uh, yeah. But it just, it looked weird. And the black and white, too, probably. Yeah. It's, like, very haggard. and Yeah. But the game show begins. Oh, yes. Uh, and it's, again, basically the dating game. Uh, we have Brody, T.S., and Gil out there. And there's a partition, and then Brandy comes out on the other side. This is a nice love seat. Yeah, and she's asking them questions. Like everything that Gil says, Brody's just like this is this is the scene where Brody like really shines. Like oh yeah, Brody takes over the scene. Oh yeah, he like steals it. Oh, uh, because she first asks like T.S. a a question, and T.S. just like bombs the question terribly. Uh, he's basically like throwing hints at her that like he's T.S. because she can't see them, so she doesn't really realize at first. Yeah, but he's like. Uh, she asked him, like, oh, if you were a, a car, what kind of car would you be? Or something like that. And T.S. is like, oh, well, I would be a car that you would never break up with your boyfriend in. And I'm like, that's okay. Obviously. And I'm like, okay, she probably realizes right now that it's fucking T.S., but we're just gonna keep this going well, as was, long as possible. Well, the other great part about this is when she asks Gil, like, oh, what would we do on our first date? And Gil says the exact same answer. Uh, that Shannon told uh, Renee that they were going to do on their first date. Oh, oh, I didn't even... Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. It's literally the same date. It's like every cliche thing you've ever heard of, like a walk on the beach. And... Take you to where you want to go shopping. Oh, yeah, it's just, oh, everything you want, baby. And Brody's like... That was the biggest load of crap I've ever heard. I mean, look at you. You're the kind of guy that would beg for sex. <laughs> so, eventually... This goes on for a little while. This this uh, hilarious setup here, and then T.S. Uh, basically confronts Brandy straight out, and she eventually realizes like, oh, T.S. and Brody are these two contestants, and they they have it out basically. Uh, and of course, uh, Brody has a big thing because when she realizes it's Brody, she says, "Boy wonder." He goes, "Boy wonder," oh yeah, because apparently everyone keeps calling. Brody TS's sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> Every time they do it, Brody like flips out. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that. Brody's the fucking head honcho in this. Oh, damn straight. So TS and Brandy have it out. They both have decent points. Like Brandy basically says, like, you know, TS, you were being an asshole, and TS is like, Well, you do everything your father says. He hates me, and like you don't even stand up for yourself. Da da da. Um and then eventually Brody jumps in and is like, Look, I think I should say something here. I know both of you pretty well. Suterat, Suter number one here has done nothing but pine over you all day, trying to figure out a way to win you back. And when this public opportunity to literally do that arose, he pulled his shit together, risked life and limb, and faced the odds to get up here and give it his best shot. And then he goes, T.S., just ask her right now. And T.S. is like, Mwah. So he leans over and he's like, uh, Bachelorette, will you marry me? <laughs> and she's, you know, there's an awkward silence. The, the, there's a hush over the crowd. And she says yes. The crowd cheers. Everybody's happy. And then Brody fucking takes over again. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's, you know, happy ending, la di da da Uh... Oh, and then he tells the plane beat-off story, randomly. Oh, well, he was... It's kind of, like, similar to the one in the beginning. The oh, well, no, because she, well, she asks him about, uh, would you have sex in public? Oh, yeah, that was one of, like, the stupid questions in the game show. 
and he's like, well, my cousin Walter, <laughs> he had, he, uh, had, what, he masturbated on a plane once. <laughs> and he goes into the whole story. It's great. It's a funny fucking story. The plane started spinning around, going out of control. So he decides it's all over and whips it out and starts beating it right there. So all the other passengers take a cue from him and they start whipping it out and beating like mad. So all the passengers are beating off, plummeting to their certain doom, when all of a sudden the hydraulics kick back in and the plane rights itself. Uh, also, while this is all going on, Silent Bob is hanging from the rafters. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, okay. So as uh, P.S. and Brandy are happy-go-lucky and kissing and lovey-dovey, uh, what's her name? Trisha. Trisha had arrived with the sex tape, handed it off to Jay, who, handed, who he handed off to Silent Bob, but Silent Bob was, like, in the rafters, like, you know, with the audio and visual wiry yeah. stuff, you know? And he drops the tape. And he's like, oh, oh, no! So he puts his hands to his head, he freaks out a little bit, but he tries to use his Jedi mind trick to grab the Yes, the okay, so here's here's where we go. Uh, Remember Willem, that yeah. guy with the, the yes. magic eye poster? So he is so frustrated with this magic eye poster that he can't see the fucking sailboat that he kicks it over and just screams and freaks out and runs off in a big dismay. And he goes towards, like, the backstage area. He ends up back there and he's, like, kicking, like, the, the rafters or whatever and, like, yeah. just frustrated or whatever. And then because of that, the tape gets bounced out of its like little hidey hole where it fell and it flies right into Silent Bob's hand and he thinks that he has like Jedi powers. Yes. Because he has the fucking tape. And uh, uh, while all this is going on, Brody is on stage. Yes. And he is confessing his love to Renee, who's in the audience with Shannon. He says she he says, You have something that belongs to me. And Shannon's like, Yeah, what? And he's like, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to her. <laughs> and she's like, what can I say? I fucking love him. <laughs> and then uh, he confesses his love to Renee. And then he calls backstage to Silent Bob and tells him to play that tape. And eventually, after a little bit of technical difficulty, the tape goes in and up it comes on the screen. <laughs> and it's Ben Affleck fucking Trisha. And it's gross. And <laughs> he's like, uh, you know, saying like nasty things. And then uh, Brody's like, and she's 15, by the way. <laughs> uh, cops arrest him instead of me. They're cops on the stage, too. Oh, yeah. The cops are like about to come on stage to like pull off Brody and TS. But instead, they pull off uh, Shannon, who is getting arrested for statutory rape, which is, you know, any good comedy has statutory rape. Oh, yeah. And it's great as they're dragging him off. <laughs> he goes, and he goes to punch him. You can't punch a guy in police comedy. He goes, just once? I get like, okay, sure. He punches Shannon in the stomach. And then we get Jay and Silent Bob walking away from this uh, fuckery, you know, full of pride in their success uh, at, you know, basically fucking up this whole fucking game show. <laughs> Silent, uh, and Jay says to Silent Bob, how did you get the tape, like, out of the thing? And, uh, he's like, oh, you did the Jedi mind trick. And Silent Bob becomes not so silent and says, Adventure, excitement, Jedi craves not these things. So, 
yeah, that's like the, you know, the common thing where Silent Bob is silent the whole movie and then, you know, just spells a pearl of wisdom at the very end. So, yeah, so that's our, our movie, basically. Oh, and we get, like, a where are they now thing at the yes. end to wrap us up. Which I always, which I complain because there's always all these movies with characters. You're like, where did these characters end up? And, and you know, if there's any movie where you want to know where all these characters ends up, it's Mallrats. <laughs> well, well uh, one ends up... Uh... Well, because the, the TV execs go up to Brody at the very end and are like, hey, you got presents, kid. You, you've got chutzpah. You, you ever thought of hosting your own TV show? And then the movie ends and it goes to the Where Are They Now? And it says that Brody is hosting The Tonight Show with Renee as the band leader. Yeah, but he still lives with his parents. Yes, but Renee's mother loves. Uh, oh yes, Rose. he's like, I'm finally gonna introduce you to my mom, and then they kiss and they make up, so that's good too. Uh, and then it, in the where are they now? T.S. and Brandy get married in Florida on the Jaws ride they because do. they're classy. Uh, Shannon is in prison, meeting new friends. Oh yes, fun fun. Uh, and then they have a moment with uh, Willem, and they they say the text says in the bottom. Willem finally does get to see the sailboat. And Willem looks up into the camera and is like, really? I feel positive. Yay! Oh, and then Trisha, the Trisha girl, she, like, is on the New York Times bestsellers list with her fucking sex book. For so, 72 weeks. Yeah, Jesus Christ. So... <laughs> but John, by the way, missed an opportunity 69 weeks would have been perfect. Oh, saying. yeah, true. So that's, uh, that's Mallrats. And, uh, apparently, as of right now, um, Kevin Smith, you know, he's, he's kind of been in the mode of like re rehash. I don't want to say rehashing, remaking, rehashing his old stuff. He just did Jay and Silent Bob reboot, which like we said, is pretty awesome. Uh, he did announce in January that they were planning a sequel to Mallrats that's currently titled Twilight of the Mallrats. So that might be interesting. I'm down. I'm down to clown. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's it, man. That's Mallrats. So what do we think? I loved it. I loved it. I really did love it too. There's so many, like, we were all there. It's like, it's. Yeah, it's very, it's very real. You really feel like you're hanging out with these kids at the mall. Like it's, you know, it's, he has a way of. While, you know, some of his stuff is kind of, like, crazy at times, he has a way of also, in his dialogue, connecting with the audience in a really unique way. Well, not only that, but even, like, the zanier stuff, like Jay and Silent Bob trying to blow up the stage, doing the wacky zany antics, there are plenty of times where I fall to trying to do something wacky and zany in the mall and thinking about, like, what would you do if you left this part of the balcony and tried to get to the other side of the balcony... Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, like I said, this definitely isn't the best Kevin Smith movie. If I was going to recommend a movie to start with, I would probably recommend Dogma uh, or Chasing Amy. I'd probably say Dogma. Because I feel like those two are probably his best. I actually do have a Kevin Smith ranking on my Letterboxd account. If you want to check that out if you're on Letterboxd. But um, yeah. I'm a big fan of this guy, so I'm pretty much a fan of all of his movies, to be yeah. honest. 
So, yeah. It was fun. Indeed. It was. It was a good time. Um, it's really... This one is more... I feel like this movie is more about the dialogue than anything else. Yeah. It's like, a lot of the dialogue is really funny and, like, uh, like quippy sometimes. And sometimes it's just, like, the... The adventures we go on just through the dialogue are funny in itself without all of the, you know, Batman on Batman fuckery. <laughs> yes, the Batman on Batman fuckery was, which is crazy and fun. It is fun. But yeah, we even if that wasn't here, it's still a fun movie. Yeah. And it's good because, like, Jay and Silent Bob have such a good chemistry that later on they get their own movie together. That's true. So. And you know what? Give Jay all the credit because Jay can basically, as much as Silent Bob doesn't have a line, so like the middle or end of the movie, Jay has to basically hold most of the movie by himself, just talking incessantly. Yeah, true. And he hangs in. He does good. He does a great fucking job. So, um, what would you rate this movie, Scott? I'm probably at a four out of five. Okay, I'm at a three and a half because, um, I, you know, in my mind, in my rating system, in my brain, like, there are higher movies in this that are at a four, like, four and a half, five situations. So, I, in the ranking of Kevin Smith movies, I have it at three and a half. Well, see, I understand people who do that, but I can't, I have to judge this movie on its own. While Dogma is probably a five for me, and Clerks is also probably, like, a four and a half or a five for me. Mm-hmm. This is still, on its own, it's still a fun movie. I would watch this again. It's rewatchable for me. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I laughed the entire time. I enjoyed it. I connected with it. It's easily, I feel, like a four for me. And if it, if I rate a movie a four or higher, it's because usually I can rewatch it again. Right. No, I get that. Easily. Also, Kevin Smith and Jay walk off of a monkey at the end of the movie, and that's how we end the movie. Because why not? They walk off with Suzanne and the monkey. There was no monkey throughout this whole movie, by the way. It just came out of nowhere. <laughs> but it's fine. It's it's fine. It's, an, it's a story for another day. So yeah, that was Borat. Next week, we are back to Star Wars. Ooh. But wait, we're doing Attack of the Clones. No! Oh wait, that's the third one. We'll get there. Uh. So look forward to that, guys. It's going to be a nightmare. But uh, it's hopefully going to be a, a hilarious nightmare. Yes. <laughs> yes. So until then, this has been Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoxa podcast. And I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick. And check out our weekly episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Yep. Yeah, make sure you come back next week. Damn straight. To watch us suffer intensely. Have a good night, folks. <laughs>